Chapter 6, War Horses. Annie sighed. I agree with you, but what are we going to do? I don't know. Jack dropped his head into his hands. His skull was pounding. He felt like he might throw up. Do you want to leave Macedonia? Asked Annie. No, said Jack, shaking his head. You want to stay? Annie said. No, said Jack. Jack! Annie! Someone shouted. Jack lifted his head. Aristotle was striding toward them. When he reached them, he looked at Jack and said, You need water. Come with me. Annie helped Jack to his feet. Jack still felt wobbly as they followed Aristotle to a well near the royal house. He and Annie splashed water from a bucket onto their faces and drank from their cupped hands. The cool, clear water made Jack feel better. Thank you, he said. Did the prince make a proper fool of you? Aristotle asked Jack. More or less, said Jack. Ah, you are not the only one, Aristotle said. It's because he so greatly fears looking like a fool himself. He is desperate to equal his father's power and strength. Well, someone needs to remind him he's only 12, said Annie. Aristotle smiled. I agree. Where is he now? He ran to see the horses, said Annie. Ah, yes, said Aristotle, peering down the hill. The king's companions are all eager to see the war horses a seller has brought from Thessaly. Would you like to see them too? I love horses, said Annie, but she looked at Jack. You guys go. I'll wait here, he said. He didn't want to be anywhere near Prince Alexander. I don't want to leave you, said Annie. Please come with us, please. Jack stared at her and then sighed. Okay, he said. As Aristotle, Jack, and Annie started down the hill, the sun was low in the sky. Jack was silent as Annie chatted with Aristotle. So do war horses go to war, she asked. Aristotle nodded. They carry soldiers to war in lands near and far, he said. Their speed and strength can help save a man's life or win a battle. What a hard job, said Annie. Yes, but they are the most honored horses in the kingdom, said Aristotle. When Jack, Annie, and Aristotle reached the riding ring, the horses were all standing in a row with grooms attending them. As the king's companions watched from outside the fence, King Philip and the small, wiry horse seller walked together down the line, discussing each animal. Alexander walked behind them, looking in the horses' mouths and feeling their legs. The prince loves horses too, Aristotle said. Too bad for the horses, Jack thought. What are they looking for? Annie asked. Thick bones, strong teeth, and a good bend in the knees, said Aristotle. A broad chest and high-set neck, bony head, large nostrils, a thick mane, small ears. That's a lot, Annie said. The king came to the end of the line and began to haggle with the horse seller. Alexander tried to be part of the conversation, but his father silenced him. Jack almost felt sorry for the prince. King Philip pointed to a couple of horses. The horse seller nodded, and then the grooms led all the horses from the riding ring back into the barn. The setting sun flashed over the hillside. The horse trading is over for today, said Aristotle. It will resume at daylight tomorrow. Suddenly, a black stallion bolted from the barn. Several grooms ran after him. The stallion was stunningly beautiful. As he trotted around the ring, the light of the setting sun seemed to set his dark coat and mane on fire. He held his head high and arched his neck. He had small ears and wide eyes. That must be the magnificent horse I have heard so much about, said Aristotle. Who is he? asked Annie. His name is Bucephalus, said Aristotle. He once belonged to the royal horse master of Thessaly. When the stallion slowed to a walk, a groom approached him and tried to grab his bridle. But as the man's shadow fell over the horse, the stallion neighed and bucked. He broke away from the man and backed against the fence. 
His ears were flat against his head. His eyes were wild. What's going on? said Annie. He was once a noble warhorse, said Aristotle, but ever since he was captured in battle, he has not let any rider mount him. Why? asked Annie. No one knows, said Aristotle, but the seller insists he can be tamed again and wants a bag of gold for him. A groom threw a rope around the horse's neck. Another brought out a whip. What's that for? asked Annie. The groom cracked the whip on the ground. No, shouted Prince Alexander. Put the whip down. The groom cracked the whip again. The horse reared up. Arching his neck, he kicked his hooves, almost trampling the man who held the whip. The grooms jumped back to avoid being crushed. No, shouted Alexander again, rushing forward. Do not hit him. He grabbed the whip from the groom and threw it to the ground. Do not be a fool, the king roared at the prince. Let them do their job. Alexander ignored his father. He walked calmly toward the stallion. The horse stared at him for a moment, then took off across the ring. Alexander started running after him. Stop him, the king ordered his bodyguards. Two of the guards rushed forward and grabbed Alexander before he reached the horse. They held the prince as more grooms approached Bucephalus. The stallion reared up again. This horse cannot be tamed, the king shouted at the horse seller. Yes, he can, shouted Alexander. He tried to break free from the guards, but they held him tightly. And I am the one who can tame him. Take him from my sight. He is worthless, shouted the king. Jack couldn't tell if the king meant the stallion or the prince. The grooms drove the back black stallion back into the stable, and the guards held on to Alexander as they followed the king and his companions back up the hill. Several times, the king turned and shouted at his son, You fool! So reckless! Arrogant! Excuse me, said Aristotle. I must try to calm the king. He strode away, leaving Jack and Annie behind. Boy, Alexander's dad is really mean to him, said Annie. I noticed that at the house, said Jack. He kept telling Alexander to be quiet. Jack and Annie were quiet themselves as they watched King Philip yell at the prince all the way back to the royal house. By the time the king and his party had gone inside, the sun had slipped behind the hill. Night was falling fast. The air had grown cooler. I know we think Alexander's a mean kid and a show-off, said Annie, but just now he was trying to protect the black stallion. Jack didn't say anything. And we were kind of mean to him too, actually, said Annie. We made fun of him and stuff. We did. He deserved it, Jack mumbled. But the truth is we were showing off a little too, said Annie, to the king and his men. Fine. So what's your point, Jack said, sighing. Probably we're even, said Annie. Maybe we should start over with him. Oh, brother, said Jack. But he actually agreed with her. Strangely, his anger at the prince had faded. He even felt sorry for him now. I think his life is pretty sad, said Annie. Maybe we could help him somehow. How do you help a kid like that, said Jack. I don't know, said Annie. Well, let's start with a question, said Jack. What do we know about him so far? We know he craves excellence and glory, said Annie. That's what Aristotle told us. We know he's desperate to equal his father's power and strength, said Annie. And he thinks he's the great-great-grandson of Hercules, said Jack. Right, he's a living Greek god, Annie said, and the world's greatest athlete, said Jack. And soon he'll be master of the universe, said Annie. Annie laughed and Jack laughed with her. He's ridiculous, Jack said, shaking his head. I've never met a kid like him before, said Annie. Thank goodness, said Jack. But we also know something else about him, said Annie. What, said Jack. We know he loves Bucephalus, Annie said.
Yeah, so, said Jack. So let's start there, said Annie. Love is always a good place to start, don't you think? Chapter 7, Stallion at Starlight. Jack stared at Annie for a moment. So what do you have in mind, he said. We could try to train Bucephalus for Alexander, said Annie. Then maybe his dad would let him keep the horse. Are you serious, said Jack. You and me train him? We've done it before, said Annie. Remember when we went to the Wild West and helped save the Mustangs? We learned some rules on how to treat a horse. That journey was a long time ago, said Jack. But you took notes, said Annie. I saw them in your notebook today. Yeah, well, we might have notes, but we don't have much experience, said Jack. We weren't there long enough. Let's just look at your notes, said Annie. Jack pulled out his notebook and found the notes he'd taken during their adventure in the Wild West. Horse rules, he read aloud. Soft hand, firm voice, sunny attitude, praise, reward. Simple. We just have to try to be nice and kind and positive, said Annie. Let's try it. She started toward the gate. Are you crazy? There's lots more to it than that, said Jack, following her. Those guys in the ring have tons of experience, and they couldn't do anything with that horse. Forget those guys, said Annie. We're a million times nicer to animals than they are, and I have a sunny attitude. She opened the gate and started across the long stretch of grass to the stable. But that horse is dangerous, Annie, Jack said as he followed her to the stable entrance. Don't just think you can tame him. Now you sound like King Philip, said Annie. Let's find the horse first, then we'll figure out what to do. Jack and Annie peeked into the shadowy stable. It smelled of wood, barley, and hay. Contented sounds of snuffling, snorting, and munching came from the stalls. From the other end of the barn, though, came neighing and stamping noises. I think he's at the far end, said Annie. She looked around. I don't think anyone's in here now. Let's look. Move fast, said Jack. They stepped into the dark stable. Jack grabbed a lamp from a wooden table. The flickering light cast strange shadows as he and Annie moved past the stalls towards the end of the barn. Jack held the lamp high as they passed a white horse, several brown horses, and a brown and white spotted horse. Bucephalus was in the very last stall. His coat shone in the lamplight. He was completely black, except for a white star on his forehead. His eyes still had a wild look, and his ears were flattened against the sides of his head. Jack thought he looked angry. Hi, Bucephalus, Annie said in a warm, friendly voice. Boy, are we happy to see you, and I know you're happy to see us, too. No, he isn't, Jack said. This isn't going to work. But Annie lifted the latch on the door and calmly stepped inside, closing the door behind her. Don't worry, Jack. I have a way with animals. Remember, said Annie. She jumped onto a bale of hay and put her leg over the horse's back. No, no, you don't just climb on, said Jack. The stallion gave a loud snort, then kicked his back hooves and dropped his head down, trying to buck Annie off. Whoa, cried Annie, clutching the horse's mane. The horse hurled himself against the door. Jack barely got out of the way before the animal shot out of the stall. With Annie clinging to his mane, the horse ran through the long barn and out the open doorway. Stop! Jack shouted. He blew out the lamp and ran after the stallion and Annie. Outside in the riding ring, the horse reared. Annie was holding on with all her might. The stallion loomed above Jack, raking the air with his front hooves. Jack could see the whites of his eyes. Jack stumbled backward and fell. At the same time, Annie tumbled off the horse. The stallion galloped across the grassy ring. 
Jack scrambled over to Annie. You okay? He cried. Yes, she sat up. You were right. Being nice wasn't enough, she said, trying to catch her breath. I made a fool of myself. I guess I don't have enough experience. The stallion stopped near the fence. He stood against the purple-blue sky of early evening, snorting loudly. Don't feel bad, said Jack. It would take tons of experience to train a horse like him. Well, Annie was still struggling to breathe. We, you know, we could be great horse trainers if we really wanted to. What do you mean? asked Jack. The, the magic, Annie said. We sniff the magic mist and then, then make a wish to become great horse trainers. But does this have anything to do with our mission? Jack said. If it doesn't, it wouldn't be practical to use our magic now. It might not be practical, said Annie, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. Jack looked at the stallion. The animal made a soft, blowing sound. He stared intensely back at Jack as if trying to tell him something. Okay, said Jack, surprising himself. I guess we could give it a try. Why not? Great, said Annie. This is going to be so much fun. She jumped to her feet. Slow down, said Jack, standing up. He reached into his bag and pulled out the tiny glass bottle. The silver mist from the Isle of Avalon swirled inside. So here's what we do. We make a wish to be two great horse trainers. Yes, said Annie. Okay, said Jack. I wonder what happens when you're the greatest horse trainers ever. We'll soon find out, said Annie. Jack lifted the bottle into the air. We wish to be two great horse trainers. Then he uncorked the bottle, closed his eyes, and deeply inhaled the magic mist. A mix of wonderful smells overcame him. Sweet honeysuckle with damp summer grass and leaves and sunshine. When Jack opened his eyes, he felt lightheaded. He held the bottle out to Annie and she inhaled the mist too. Ah, she breathed. Jack corked the tiny bottle and put it away. He and Annie grinned at each other. All set? Annie asked. You bet, said Jack. He wasn't worried now. He felt as calm and relaxed as if he had tamed a thousand wild stallions. Hello, buddy, Annie said to the stallion. Do you mind if we just call you buddy? It's much easier than Bucephalus. Jack laughed quietly. Buddy was a better name. Buddy pricked his ears as if he were listening to her. Do you mind if we come closer, buddy? Annie asked. The horse didn't move. Annie started walking very slowly toward him. Jack walked with her. When they were close enough to touch him, Buddy backed up nervously. He swished his tail and arched his neck. It's okay, Buddy, Jack said in a soft voice. It's okay. It's okay. Jack concentrated on the stallion. He poured all his energy, all his compassion, and all his strength into the horse until he felt that he and Buddy were one and the same creature. Do not come close. What? Jack said, looking around. Was he hearing the horse's thoughts? You don't want us to come close to you, buddy? Annie asked. Oh, man, thought Jack. Annie heard him too. This must be what happens when you're a really great horse trainer. You understand what horses are thinking. Jack looked deeply into the stallion's eyes. He tried to hear the horse's thoughts again. Do not come closer. Okay, we won't, Jack said keeping his voice calm and soothing. We won't come closer until you are ready. That's right, said Annie. But tell us, why can't we come close? No riders. Why no riders? Jack asked the horse. 
You once had riders, didn't you? We won't hurt you, Buddy, said Annie. We promise. Buddy lowered his head. Lost. You're lost, said Annie. Lost. Jack remembered what Aristotle had told them. He used to belong to the royal horse master of Thessaly, he said to Annie. He looked into the horse's eyes again. Is it your master? He asked the stallion. Is your master lost? The horse threw back his head and sniffed the air. Jack and Annie were quiet for a moment. Then Annie said softly, I'm afraid your master is not coming back. Not ever. The horse was still. Do you miss him? Annie asked. The stallion tossed his head. Jack thought he heard a word. Sad. The stallion's sadness washed over Jack, filling him with sorrow too. I'm sorry, he said. We're really sorry, said Annie. She sounded like she might cry. Jack took another step toward the horse. Annie stepped with him. This time, the stallion didn't back away. Annie breathed on the horse's muzzle so he could smell her breath. Jack did the same. Then Annie touched the stallion's forehead and Jack touched him too. Annie moved her head down the horse's nose while Jack stroked the horse's long neck. The animal's velvety coke smelled of grass and wind. Just know this, Jack said to the stallion. He spoke tenderly and with all his heart. Whatever happened to your master was not your fault. Not at all. The stallion lowered his head and nuzzled Jack and Annie. His whole body shuddered as if he were sighing with relief. Chapter 8, Night Riders. Stars twinkled in the night sky. Jack and Annie were quiet for a long time. Then Annie gently rubbed the horse's neck and said, Hey, buddy, let's go for a ride. Want to? The stallion stood very still for a moment. Jack wondered if the horse understood, but then he raised his head. Yes. Great. You go first, Annie said to Jack. Jack grabbed a handful of the horse's mane. Buddy didn't move. He didn't snort or balk. Jack took a couple of short steps and pushed off the ground. As if he had springs on his feet, he gracefully vaulted onto the horse's back. Jack reached out his hand. Annie took it. Then, as smoothly as a gymnast, she pushed off the ground and leapt onto the horse's back behind Jack. Jack and Annie settled comfortably into place, balancing themselves. Jack felt as if he'd lived on the back of a stallion all his life. He grabbed Buddy's mane again and held on tightly. He gripped with his legs and leaned forward and whispered, Let's go! The stallion stamped the ground. Then he started walking slowly forward. Jack and Annie moved in perfect rhythm with his step. When they came to the gate of the riding wing ring, Jack pushed it open with his foot. The stallion pranced out of the ring. Soon his hooves were crunching lightly over the pebble path leading down to the square. The town was quiet under a blanket of stars. Market stalls had shut down for the night. Merchants, craftsmen, and shoppers had gone home. When the stallion reached the square, a warm wind urged him forward. He quickened his gait and began to trot. Jack and Annie moved in time with his steps. One, two, one, two, one, two. The stallion picked up speed until he began to canter. Jack and Annie moved in time to a different, smoother rhythm. One, two, three, one, two, three. Jack felt as if they were all dancing together. When the stallion came to the wide road that led from the square, he began to gallop. He took long, swinging strides until his hooves barely touched the ground. 
Jack had the feeling that his legs had become one with the horse's legs. His breath had become one with the horse's breath. His skin had become one with the horse's skin. Buddy ran on, unafraid of the dark. He galloped along the dirt road, passing the moonlit military field where the king's army was still drilling for war. The stallion kept galloping. He passed meadows where sheep and cows slept under the stars. He passed quiet farmhouses and barking dogs. As Buddy galloped lightly over the countryside, Jack and Annie knew how to sit evenly and how to breathe deeply. They knew when to lean forward and when to shift their weight back. If they wanted Buddy to slow down or speed up or turn, they only had to shift their body slightly, and the horse seemed to understand. Buddy soon left the road and started over a grassy field. Jack couldn't see what was ahead, but he trusted the horse's instincts. He trusted his own, too. He felt completely safe. When Buddy jumped over narrow ravines, Jack knew how to relax his body and cling to the horse's mane. When Buddy splashed through swamps and marshes, Jack knew how to stay centered on the horse's back. All through the night, Jack, Annie, and Buddy traveled over the countryside. When the horse finally slowed down to a steady walk, Jack began to grow sleepy. He rested his head on Buddy's neck. Jack heard frogs croaking in the wet reeds and crickets chirping in the dry grass. His body rocked as Buddy's hooves tapped over the hard, cracked earth. Through olive groves and rocky fields, he closed his eyes. Jack! Annie nudged him from behind. What? Jack asked in a daze. Wake up! What? Jack opened his eyes. The sun was up. In the rosy dawn, Buddy was ambling along the wide dirt road that led back to town. Sheep had risen to their feet and were grazing on dewy grass. A cool breeze blew by Jack's face. It smelled of open fields and damp, woolly lambs. Guess what, said Annie. Our hour was up a long time ago. What do you mean, said Jack, sitting up straight. The magic hour, when we were great horse trainers, said Annie. What about it, said Jack. It ended, said Annie, for a long time. We've been riding Buddy just as ourselves. Really, Jack said. The magic ended? Don't worry, said Annie. Buddy doesn't mind riders now. We helped him understand that we're his friends and that it's okay to let other people ride him. He's not waiting for his master anymore. Oh, wow, Jack said softly. He stroked Buddy's damp neck. Thank you for the great ride. The stallion whinnied and kept trotting. Soon he trotted past the military field again, where the king's soldiers were still marching. Remind me never to join the Macedonian army, said Jack. Annie laughed. We'd better get Buddy back to the barn before everyone wakes up, she said. Okay, then we'll figure out what to do next, said Jack, about helping Alexander and stuff. And we have to learn a truth about greatness from him too, said Annie. Remember our mission? She held out her hand, reminding Jack about the ring of truth. Right, said Jack. He'd almost forgotten. Keep checking that ring to see if it's glowing. I am, said Annie. Don't worry. The stallion gathered speed and cantered up the road toward the market square. By now, the sellers were setting out their fish and fruits and vegetables. Jack looked up at the hilltop. King Philip's white mansion caught the fiery light of the rising sun. We need to take you back to your stall now, buddy, he said. The stallion stepped carefully up the pebble path. When they reached the stable area, Jack spied the king and his companions walking toward the riding ring. Oh no, they're here already, he said. Then let's take Buddy through the stable's back entrance, said Annie. Hurry. Good idea, said Jack. He shifted his weight. Turn, Buddy. Go right. 
The stallion changed direction and headed for the back of the stable. But as they drew closer, Jack saw someone standing in the open doorway. It was Prince Alexander. Chapter 9, The Truth The stallion stopped and neighed at the prince. Alexander stood with his legs apart and his arms crossed. He was not smiling. Hi there, Annie said. Alexander didn't answer. He glared at Jack and Annie. I shall have you punished for stealing him, he said. I have been looking for him everywhere. We didn't steal him. We just took him out for a ride, said Jack. Why did he let you two ride him, Alexander asked, of all people. Jack started to make a comment about Alexander's attitude, but then he made a different decision. He decided to be kind. Maybe he let us ride him because he knew that you are a friend of ours, he said. The prince looked confused by Jack's answer. Really? he asked. Jack nodded. Well, I suppose that could be possible, Alexander said. He cleared his throat and took a deep breath. So where did he take you? he asked. The anger had left his voice. Now it was filled with curiosity. We just rode through town and down the main road and around the swamps and fields, said Annie. I wish you'd been with us. She swung her leg over the horse's back and slid to the ground. Jack did the same. The stallion neighed and brushed his head against Annie, then Jack. Annie giggled. That tickles, she said. How did you tame him? Alexander asked. We listened to him, said Jack. Listen to him? The prince asked. What do you mean? It was sort of like we forgot about ourselves and paid total attention to him instead, said Jack. Alexander watched as Annie and Jack stroked the stallion's mane. My father vows he will not waste his gold on this horse, he said, but I, I see something very special in him. I believe he is extraordinary. He is, said Jack. He's incredibly loyal and he has a great heart, said Annie. I know, I can tell, said Alexander. Maybe you could tell your father that you will pay for him yourself, suggested Annie. Do you get an allowance? I do not know what that means, said Alexander, but no matter. I doubt that my father would agree to anything I propose. He has no respect for my opinions or my accomplishments. Your father is wrong not to give you respect, said Jack, and he meant it. One day, all the history books will call you Alexander the Great. Are you mocking me? Alexander said, scowling. No, it's true. I promise, said Jack. Believe us, said Annie. We know. But listen, said Jack. Being great doesn't mean you go around bragging about yourself all the time. Don't tell everyone that you are a living Greek god, said Annie, or that you're going to be master of the universe, or that you are the best athlete in the known world, said Jack. Just accept that no matter what you can do, you're still a regular human being, a person like everyone else. Are you insulting me, said Alexander? No, said Jack with a smile. Stop that. We're all regular human beings. Why don't you just let yourself be a real person for a change and laugh at yourself? Be okay with making mistakes and looking like a fool. Jack's right, said Annie. Know that sometimes you're great and sometimes you're terrible. You're strong and you're weak. The prince frowned. A fool? Terrible? Weak? He said. The truth is this. Nobody's perfect. Even you, said Jack. So just accept it. You speak nonsense, said Alexander. It's called humility, said Jack. Humility, the prince said slowly. Jack, said Annie, look. 
She held her hand close to Jack's face. The ring of truth was glowing as if it were made of fire. Jack smiled again. Yes, humility, he said to the prince. That was the secret of greatness that Merlin wanted them to discover on this mission. But you cannot expect me to show humility to the world, said Alexander, shaking his head. No mighty king would ever do that. Well, no matter what you have to do to be a mighty king, you can at least have humility inside yourself, said Annie. And if you do, I promise this horse will trust you. There he is, a gruff voice said. Jack, Annie, and Alexander turned to see two grooms coming out of the barn. One of the grooms held a whip. You were looking for this horse? Prince Alexander asked sternly. He stepped between the stallion and the grooms. The king wants to see him in the ring again with the others, said the first groom. He moved around Alexander toward the stallion. As the man's shadow fell over Buddy, the stallion snorted loudly and shied away. Alexander jumped in front of the groom. Get away from him, he ordered the man. Leave him alone. The groom stepped back. Leave us, roared Alexander. The two grooms turned and disappeared back into the barn. Buddy neighed. Shh, my friend, shh, Alexander said softly, stepping toward the stallion. You mustn't be afraid. The horse shook out his mane and backed up. Alexander, listen to him, Jack whispered. Remember, humility, whispered Annie. Alexander stopped and stared into the horse's eyes. The horse stared back at him. The prince slowly held out his hand and stroked the horse's head. Then he spoke softly. Something frightened you just now, he said, when the man stepped in front of you. Was that it? Buddy blinked and lowered his head. The shadows? asked Alexander. The prince held still. Buddy raised his head. He and Alexander stared at each other for a moment. Then Alexander turned to Jack and Annie. I listened! And I heard him, he said in a voice filled with wonder. He is frightened by shadows. I must remember to always mount him with both of us facing the sun. Jack and Annie grinned at each other. Jack didn't know if Alexander had really heard the horse's thoughts, but he knew that Alexander and the stallion would be fine together. Now you should prove to your father that you can ride him, Annie said to the prince. Alexander nodded. Yes, he said, his eyes sparkling. He looked like a different person. Yes, I will. Good, said Jack. Go stand with the king. We'll take Bucephalus through the barn and release him into the ring. Thank you, said Alexander. He left them and disappeared around the corner of the barn. Come on, buddy, Jack said. Jack and Annie led the horse through the barn. Before they reached the entrance to the ring, they stopped. The stallion snorted and dipped his head, and they both rubbed his neck and his nose. Please help Alexander, buddy, Jack said. He needs a loyal friend, and you need one too. We love you, Annie said. Don't forget that. A groom appeared at the stable doorway. Bucephalus, he shouted. Jack and Annie reluctantly pulled away from the stallion. Be great, Bucephalus, said Jack, his voice cracking. Bucephalus looked at them with soft eyes. Then he walked with the groom out of the barn into the riding ring. Come on, said Annie. Let's go watch. Jack and Annie hurried to the back door of the stable. They shot outside into the sunlight and ran around the building of the riding ring. The king, his companions, and Aristotle were lined up at the fence. Prince Alexander stood with his father. All eyes were on the black stallion as he trotted around the ring, tossing his head and snorting. Good morning, Aristotle called to Jack and Annie. They ran to join him. The king asked about you last night and this morning, 
he said in a soft voice. What have you been doing? Training them, Annie said breathlessly. Training who? The, the philosopher asked. The stallion, said Annie. The prince, said Jack. Aristotle raised his eyebrows, but before he could speak, the king's voice rang out. Come back, you fool! Jack, Annie, and Aristotle all looked at the ring. Prince Alexander had hopped over the fence. He was heading toward the black stallion. Chapter 10, A Place of Honor Alexander, do not try to ride him! King Philip yelled at the prince. Do not be a fool! Alexander ran around the ring. Soon he was running alongside Bucephalus. When the stallion was facing the sun, Alexander vaulted onto his back. Bucephalus broke into a canter. Horse and boy moved together perfectly around and around the riding ring. The king's companions clapped and cheered. Jack, Annie, and Aristotle joined them. King Philip stared in amazement. The prince raised his right arm in the air. He looked over at Jack and Annie and shouted with victory. Laughing, they both gave him a thumbs up. You're great too, buddy, Annie shouted. The horse neighed. The king himself then broke into applause. He was smiling with pride at Alexander. How amazing, said Aristotle. That horse will have the highest place of honor as the prince's horse now. Cool, said Jack. He sighed and then looked at Annie. Are you ready to go home? Ready, she said with a grin. Must you leave now, said Aristotle. I know King Philip plans to invite you to stay in the royal house. Will you not stay and help me educate Alexander? No, we have to go back to our parents, said Annie. Pretty soon we'll start missing them. Don't worry, Jack said. You'll do a good job with Alexander. All the world will say that someday. Just get him to work on the idea of humility, said Annie. Humility? asked the philosopher. Yes, said Jack. Tell him that one of the secrets of greatness is humility. He's great enough that he can afford to have humility. Even if only you and he and Bucephalus know it, added Annie. I will remember, said the philosopher. Thanks for all your help, said Jack. Tell Alexander goodbye for us, please, said Annie. Jack and Annie stepped away from the fence and headed toward the hill path. They crunched over the pebbles, down to the square. Then they started down the main road, away from town. They passed the field where the warriors were still marching. They passed the shepherd, the sheep, the goat herder, the goats, and the farmer plowing with the ox. They passed the rocky meadows dotted with cows until they came to the olive grove. They were about to head between the trees when they heard galloping behind them. They turned and saw Prince Alexander thundering toward them on the back of Bucephalus. Clouds of dust billowed behind the horse. Jack and Annie, Alexander cried. He brought Bucephalus to a halt. The stallion shook out his mane, then dipped his head and whinnied. Jack and Annie rubbed his muzzle. Hey, you, said Jack. It's good to see you again. The prince was out of breath. You, you did not say goodbye, he said. Sorry, said Jack. We have to get home now, said Annie. You did a great job, said Jack. You really did, said Annie. You and Bucephalus were made for each other. My father thinks so too, said Alexander, smiling broadly. After he saw me ride today, he said, My son, you had better find a larger kingdom because mine will not be big enough for you. Oh, brother, Jack said. So much for humility. Surprisingly, Alexander laughed. Thank you for everything you did for me, he said. You're welcome, said Annie. Have a good life with Bucephalus. I will. Jack and Annie, you make me want to travel all over the world with him, said Alexander. You make me want to know about all things, like koala bears and kangaroos. That's great, 
said Annie. You make me want to surround myself with thinkers and scientists and travelers, said Alexander. Cool, said Jack. You make me want to sing my song to the four quarters of the earth, shouted Alexander. Jack smiled. Do that. Go sing your song, he said. I will. Farewell, my friends, said the prince. We are going back to inspect my army now. He and Bucephalus turned around and took off down the dusty road. Give those army guys a rest, why don't you? yelled Annie. Jack laughed. Come on, he said. He and Annie ran through the olive grove to the rope ladder. They climbed up into the treehouse and looked out the window. In the distance, the prince and his magnificent horse were dashing up the dirt road. I almost expect him to take off and soar into the sky, said Annie. At least that's what riding Buddy felt like to me. Jack's heart was heavy as they watched Alexander and Bucephalus disappear into a cloud of dust lit by the morning sun. Goodbye, buddy, he said. Bye, buddy, Annie echoed. Jack sighed. Well, the good news is Buddy will have a place of honor for life, and Alexander will have a friend for life, said Annie. Jack picked up their Pennsylvania book from the corner of the treehouse. He pointed to a picture of the Frog Creek Woods. I wish we could go home. The wind started to blow. The treehouse started to spin. It spun faster and faster. Then everything was still. Absolutely still. A soft summer breeze blew through the treehouse window. Jack and Annie were wearing their own clothes again. Mission accomplished, said Jack. I'd better leave the ring here, said Annie. She pulled the ring of truth off her finger and carefully placed it on the floor in a patch of sunlight. Jack put the bottle of magic mist in the book about Macedonia beside the ring. Good, let's go, said Annie. Wait, how can we give our secret of greatness a place of honor? Jack asked. Annie shrugged. We could just write it down, she said. I guess that'll work, said Jack. He carefully tore one of the last pieces of paper out of his notebook and wrote in large letters, humility. Jack slipped the paper under the ring of truth. Maybe it was just the morning light, but the ring seemed to glow brighter as it lay on the paper. Jack pulled on his backpack. Ready? He asked. Yep, said Annie. Let's go sing our song to the four quarters of the earth. Why not, said Jack. Jack and Annie went down the ladder. Then they walked together through the dappled sunshine. The air smelled of summer. Crows called out to each other. It feels good to be home, said Annie. No kidding, said Jack. They came to the edge of the Frog Creek Woods and crossed the street and started up the sidewalk. I'm so thirsty, said Jack. Me too, said Annie. Hey, we can have some of Dad's lemonade. Cool, said Jack. I'm really glad Dad's our father instead of King Philip II of Macedonia, said Annie. Tell Dad that, said Jack. Yeah, I will, said Annie. It'll totally confuse him. They both laughed and then took off running for home. The end.